0: section number thirteen of a prince of swindlers by guy boothby this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Linda marie nielsen vancouver bc a prince of swindlers by guy boothby chapter 8 Part I. An Imperial Finale Of all the functions that ornament the calendar of the English social and sporting year, surely the Lowe's week may claim to rank as one of the greatest, or at least the most enjoyable. So thought Simon Carne as he sat on the deck of Lord Tremorden's yacht, anchored off the mouth of the Medina River smoking his cigarette and whispering soft nothings into the shell-like ear of lady mabel madderley the lady of all others who had won the right to be considered the beauty of the past season it was a perfect afternoon and as if to fill his flagon of enjoyment to the very brim he had won the queen's cup with his yacht the unknown quantity only half an hour before small wonder therefore that he was contented with his lot in life and his good fortune of that afternoon in particular the tiny harbour was crowded with shipping of all sorts shapes and sizes including the guardship, his Imperial Majesty the Emperor of Westphalia's yacht the hozeralas the English royal yachts, steam yachts, schooners, cutters, and all the various craft taking part in England's greatest water carnival. Steam launches darted hither and thither. Smartly equipped gigs conveyed gaily dressed parties from vessel to vessel, while ashore the little town itself was alive with bunting and echoed to the strains of almost continuous music. Surely you ought to consider yourself a very happy man, Mr. Carne, said Lady Mabel madderly, with a smile, in reply to a speech of the others. You won the Derby in June, and to-day you have appropriated the Queen's Cup. If such things constitute happiness, I suppose I must be in the seventh heaven of delight, answered Carne, as he took another cigarette from his case and lit it. All the same I am insatiable enough to desire still greater fortune when one has set one heart upon winning something besides which the derby and the Queen's cup are items scarcely worth considering one is rather apt to feel that fortune has still much to give I'm afraid I do not quite grasp your meaning she said but there was a look in her face that told him that If she did not understand she could at least make it very good guess. according to the world's reckoning he was quite the best fish then swimming in the matrimonial pond and some people for the past few weeks had even gone so far as to say that she had hooked him it could not be denied that he had been paying her unmistakable attention of late What answer he would have vouchsafed to her speech, it is impossible to say, for at that moment their host came along the deck towards them. He carried a note in his hand. I have just received a message to say that his imperial majesty is going to honor us with a visit, he said, when he reached them. If I mistake not, that is his launch coming towards us now. Lady Mabel and Simon Carne rose and accompanied him to the starboard bulwarks. A small white launch, with the Westphalian flag flying at her stern, had left the royal yacht and was steaming quickly towards them. A few minutes later it had reached the companion ladder, and Lord Tremordian had descended to welcome his royal guest when they reached the deck together his majesty shook hands with lady trimordian and afterwards with lady mabel and simon carne i must congratulate you most heartily mr carne he said on your victory to-day you gave us an excellent race and though i had the misfortune to be beaten by thirty seconds i still have the satisfaction of knowing that the winner was a better boat in every way than my own your majesty adds to the sweets of victory by your generous acceptance of defeat Carn replied but i must confess that i owe my success in no way to my own ability the boat was chosen for me by another and i have not even the satisfaction of saying that i sailed her myself nevertheless she is your property and you will go down to posterity famous in yachting annals as the winner of the queen's cup in this justly celebrated year with this compliment his majesty turned to his hostess and entered into conversation with her leaving his aide-de-camp free to discuss the events of the day with lady mabel when he took his departure half an hour later Carne also bade his friends good-bye, and descending to his boat was rowed away to his own beautiful steam yacht, which was anchored a few cables' length away from the imperial craft. He was to dine on board the latter vessel that evening. On gaining the deck he was met by Belton, his valet, who carried a telegram in his hand. As soon as he received it, Carn opened it and glanced at the contents come below he said quickly there is news enough here to give us something to think of for hours to come reaching the salon which was decorated with all the daintiness of the upholsterer's art he led the way to the cabin he had arranged as a study having entered it he shut and locked the door it's all up belton he said the comedy has lasted long enough, and now it only remains for us to speak the tag, and after that to ring the curtain down as speedily as it may be. "'I'm afraid, sir, I do not quite take your meaning,' said Belton. "'Would you mind telling me what has happened?' "'I can do that in a very few words,' the other answered. "'This cableman is from Trincomalee Liz,' And was dispatched from Bombay yesterday. Read it yourself. He handed the paper to his servant, who read it carefully aloud. To Carn, Porchester House, Park Lane, London. Bradfield left fortnight since. Have ascertained that you are the object Trincomalee. This is very serious, sir, said the other, when he had finished. As you say, it is very serious indeed, Carn replied. Bradful thinks he has caught me at last, I suppose, but he seems to forget that it is possible for me to be as clever as himself. Let me look at the message again. Left a fortnight ago, did he? Then I've still a little respite. By Jove, if that's the case, I'll see that I make the most of it but surely sir you will leave at once said belton quickly if this man who has been after us so long is now more than half way to england coming with the deliberate intention of running you to earth surely sir you'll see the advisability of making your escape while you have time Carnes smiled indulgently of course i shall escape my good belton he said You have never known me to neglect to take proper precautions yet. But before I go, I must do one more piece of business. It must be something by the light of which all I have hitherto accomplished will look like nothing, something really great that will make England open its eyes it has not done yet. Belton stared at him, this time in undisguised amazement. Do you mean to tell me, sir? He said with the freedom of a privileged servant that you intend to run another risk when the only man who knows sufficient of your career to bring you to book is certain to be in England in less than a fortnight I cannot believe that you would be so foolish sir I beg of you to think what you are doing Carne, however paid but small attention to his servants entreaties the difficulty he said to himself speaking his thoughts aloud is to understand quite what to do i seem to have used up all my big chances however i'll think it over and it will be strange if i don't hit upon something in the meantime belton you had better see that preparations are made for leaving england on friday next tell the skipper to have everything ready We shall have done our work by that time, then hey, for the open sea and freedom from the trammels of a society life once more. You might drop a hint or two to certain people that I am going, but be more than careful what you say. Write to the agents about Porchester House, and attend to all the other necessary details. You may leave me now." Belton bowed and left the cabin without another word he knew his master sufficiently well to feel certain that neither entreaties nor expostulations would make him abandon the course he mapped out for himself that being so he bowed to the inevitable with a grace which had now become a habit to him when he was alone Karn once more sat for upwards of an hour in earnest thought he then ordered his gig and when it was ready set out for the shore making his way to the telegraph office he dispatched a message which at any other and less busy time would have caused the operator some astonishment it was addressed to a mahomedan dealer in precious stones in bombay and contained only two words in addition to the signature. They were leaving. Come. He knew that they would reach the person for whom they were intended, and that she would understand their meaning and act accordingly. The dinner that night on board the imperial lot Hohenzollerns was a gorgeous affair in every sense of the word. All the principal yacht owners were present and at the conclusion of the banquet carne's health as a winner of the great event of the regatta was proposed by the emperor himself and drunk amid enthusiastic applause it was a proud moment for the individual in question but he bore his honours with that quiet dignity that had stood him in such good stead on so many similar occasions in his speech, he referred to his approaching departure from England, and this, the first inkling of such news, came upon his audience like a thunderclap. When they had taken leave of his majesty soon after midnight and were standing on deck, waiting for their respective boats to draw up to the accommodation ladder, Lord Orpington made his way to where Simon Carne was standing. Is it really true that you intend leaving us so soon? he asked quite true, Unfortunately, Carn replied. I had hoped to have remained longer, but circumstances over which I have no control make it imperative that I should return to India without delay. Business that exercises a vital influence upon my fortune compels me. I am therefore obligated to leave without fail on Friday next. I have given orders to that effect this afternoon. I am extremely sorry to hear it. That's all I can say, said Lord Amberley, who had just come up. I assure you we shall all miss you very much indeed. You have all been extremely kind, said Carne, and I have to thank you for an exceedingly pleasant time but there let us postpone consideration of the matter for as long as possible i think this is my boat won't you let me take you as far as your own yacht many thanks but i don't think we need trouble you said lord orfington i see my gig is just behind yours in that case good night said carne i shall see you as arranged tomorrow morning i suppose at eleven, said Lord Amberley, we'll call for you and go ashore together. Good night. By the time Carne had reached his yacht, he had made up his mind. He had also hit upon a scheme, the daring of which almost frightened himself. If only he could bring it off, he told himself, it would be indeed a fitting climax to all he had accomplished since he arrived in England. Retiring to his cabin, he allowed Belton to assist him in his preparations for the night almost without speaking. It was not until the other was about to leave the cabin that he broached the subject that was occupying his mind to the exclusion of all else. Belton, he said, I have decided upon the greatest scheme that has come into my mind yet. "'If Simon Carne is going to say farewell to the English people on Friday next, "'and it succeeds, he will leave them a legacy to think about for some time after he has gone.' "'You are surely not going to attempt anything further, sir,' said Belton in alarm. "'I did hope, sir, that you would have listened to my entreaties this afternoon.' it was impossible for me to do so said carne i am afraid belton you are a little lacking in ambition i have noticed that on the last three occasions you have endeavored to dissuade me from my endeavors to promote the healthy excitement of the english reading public on this occasion fortunately i am able to withstand you to-morrow morning you will commence preparations for the biggest piece of work To which i have yet put my hand if you have set your mind upon doing it sir i am quite aware that it is hopeless for me to say anything said belton resignedly may i know however what it is going to be carne paused for a moment before he replied i happen to know that the emperor of westphalia whose friendship i have the honor to claim he said has a magnificent collection of gold plate on board his yacht. It is my intention, if possible, to become the possessor of it. "'Surely that will be impossible, sir,' said Belton. "'Clever as you undoubtedly are in arranging these things, I do not see how you can do it. A ship at the best of times is such a public place, and they will be certain to guard it very closely.' i must confess that at first i do not quite see how it is to be managed but i have a scheme in my head which i think may possibly enable me to effect my purpose at any rate i shall be able to tell you more about it tomorrow first let us try a little experiment as he spoke he seated himself at his dressing table and bade belton bring him a box which had hitherto been standing in a corner when he opened it it proved to be a pretty little cedar wood affair divided into a number of small compartments each of which contained crape hair of a different colour selecting a small portion from one particular compartment he unraveled it until he had obtained the length he wanted and then with dexterous fingers constructed a moustache which he attached with spirit gum to his upper lip two or three twirls gave it the necessary curl then with a pair of ivory-backed brushes taken from the dressing table he brushed his hair back in a peculiar manner placed a hat of uncommon shape upon his head took a heavy boat cloak from a cupboard near at hand threw it round his shoulders and assuming an almost defiant expression faced belton and desired him to tell him whom he resembled familiar as he was with his master's marvelous power of disguise and his extraordinary faculty of imitation the latter could not refrain from expressing his astonishment his imperial majesty the emperor of westphalia he said the likeness is perfect good said carne from that exhibition you will gather something of my plan tomorrow evening as you are aware i am invited to meet his majesty who is to dine ashore accompanied by his aide-de-camp count von waltzburg here is the latter's photograph he possesses As you know a very decided personality which is all in our favor study it carefully so saying he took from a drawer a photograph which he propped against the looking-glass on the dressing table before him it represented a tall military-looking individual with bristling eyebrows a large nose a heavy gray mustache and hair of the same color Belton examined it carefully I can only suppose sir he said that as you are telling me this You intend me to represent count von Waltzburg. Exactly said Carne, that is my intention. It should not be at All difficult the count is just your height and build you will only need the mustache the eyebrows the gray hair and the large nose to look the part exactly tomorrow will be a dark night and if only i can control circumstances sufficiently to obtain the chance i want detection in the first part of our scheme at any rate should be more unlikely if not almost impossible you'll excuse me saying so i hope sir said belton but it seems a very risky game to play when we have done so well up to the present you must admit that the glory will be the greater my friend if we succeed but surely sir as i just said now they keep the plate you mention in a secure place and have it properly guarded I have made the fullest inquiries, you may be sure. It is kept in a safe in the chief steward's cabin, and while it is on board, a sentry is always on duty at the door. Yes, all things considered, I should say it is kept in a remarkably secure place. Then, sir, I am still at a loss to see how you are going to obtain possession of it." Carne smiled indulgently it pleased him to see how perplexed his servant was in the simplest manner possible he said provided always that I can get on board the yacht without my identity being questioned the manner in which we are to leave the vessel will be rather more dangerous but not sufficiently so to cause us any great uneasiness you are a good swimmer I know so that a hundred yards should not hurt you you must also have a number of stout canvas sacks say six prepared and securely attached to each the same number of strong lines the latter must be fifty fathoms long and have at the end of each a stout swivel hook the rest is only a matter of detail now what you have arranged with regard to matters in town i have fulfilled your instructions sir to the letter said belton i have communicated with the agents who act for the owner of porchester house i have caused an advertisement to be inserted in all the papers to-morrow morning to the effect that the renowned detective klimo will be unable to meet his clients for at least a month owing to the fact that he has accepted an important engagement upon the continent which will take him from home for that length of time i have negotiated the sale of the various horses you have in training and i have also arranged for the disposal of the animals and carriages you have now in use in london ram gaffer and the other native servants at porchester house will come down by the midday train to-morrow but before they do so they will fulfill your instructions and repair the hole in the wall between the two houses i cannot think of any more sir you have succeeded admirably my dear belton said carne and i am very pleased to-morrow you had better see that a paragraph is inserted in all the daily papers announcing the fact that it is my intention to leave england for india immediately on important private business i think that will do for tonight next morning he was up by sunrise and by the time his friends lord orpington and amberley were thinking about breakfast he had put the finishing touches to the scheme which was to bring his career in england to such a fitting termination According to the arrangement entered into on the previous day, his friends called for him at eleven o'clock when they went ashore together. It was a lovely morning, and Carne was in the highest spirits. They visited the castle together, made some purchases in the town, and then went off to lunch on board Lord Orphington's yacht. It was a well-nigh three o'clock before Carn bade his host and hostess farewell, and descended the gangway in order to return to his own vessel. A brisk sea was running, and for this reason to step into the boat was an exceedingly difficult, if not dangerous, matter. Either he miscalculated his distance, or he must have jumped at the wrong moment at any rate he missed his footing and fell heavily on the bottom scarcely a second however had elapsed before his coxswain had sprung to his assistance and lifted him up on to the seat in the stern it was then discovered that he had been unfortunate enough to once more give a nasty twist to the ankle which had brought him to such grief when he had been staying at greenthorpe park on the occasion of the famous wedding my dear fellow i'm so sorry said lord orpington who had witnessed the accident won't you come on board again we can easily hoist you over the side many thanks replied carne but i think i can manage to get back to my own boat it is better i should do so my man has had experience of all my little ailments and knows exactly what is best to be done under such circumstances but it is a terrible nuisance all the same i am afraid it will be impossible for me now to be present at his royal highness's dinner this evening and i have been looking forward to it so much we shall all be exceedingly sorry said lord amberley i shall come across in the afternoon to see how you are you are very kind, said Carne, and I shall be immensely glad to see you if you can spare the time. With that he gave the signal to his man to push off. By the time he reached his own yacht his foot was so painful that it was necessary for him to be lifted on board, a circumstance which was duly noticed by the occupants of all the surrounding yachts, who had brought their glasses to bear upon him once below in his saloon he was placed in a comfortable chair and left to belton's careful attention i trust you have not hurt yourself very much sir said that faithful individual who however could not prevent a look of satisfaction coming into his face which seemed to say that he was not ill pleased that his master would after all be prevented from carrying out the hazardous scheme he had proposed to him the previous evening in reply Carnes sprang to his feet without showing a trace of lameness my dear belton how peculiarly dense you are to-day he said with a smile as he noticed the other's amazement cannot you see that i have only been acting as you yourself wished i should do early this morning namely taking precautions surely you must see that if i am laid up on board my yacht with a sprained ankle society will say that it is quite impossible for me to be doing any mischief elsewhere now tell me is everything prepared for tonight everything sir belton replied the dresses and wigs are ready the canvas sacks and the lines to which the spring hooks are attached are in your cabin awaiting your inspection as far as i can see everything is prepared and i hope will meet with your satisfaction if you are as careful as usual i feel sure it will said carne now get some bandages and make this foot of mine up Into as artistic a bundle as you possibly can. After that, help me on deck and prop me up in a chair. As soon as my accident gets known, there will be certain to be shoals of callers on board, and I must play my part as carefully as possible. End of section thirteen. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC.